for that. I'll remind you, like it was said before, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to another Sunday that I get to worship with you all. And I, I'm going to encourage you to invite somebody. If you know somebody that maybe doesn't usually go to church, maybe, maybe you've talked to them, maybe you've even invited them before, and you think, well, I've, I've uh, already shot that bullet, so to speak. No, it, use, it, use this, this Sunday as an opportunity to invite them. I just think it would be great if if we could all invite somebody, and then I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly how next Sunday is going to go because I don't know how any Sunday is going to go from week to week. That's uh, by design of the Lord. But I will tell you, I do know that we will make room for whatever the Lord wants to do. And I will tell you, everybody needs to get in the presence of the Lord and feel and experience and know that what he, who he is and what he does is far greater than anything else that we could experience in this world. So with that said, I want to I encourage you to invite somebody here. Amen. Next Sunday. It'll be a good time. It's good to have Bishop Schoonover with us. I'm going to let him come over in just a moment and and minister, but I have just one quick thing I want to share with you. It's from the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you can turn there, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I want to say thank you to our technology team, Brother Timothy, Brother Callum, Sister Noel, and everybody else that helps out. It's kind of a funny thing right now with my kids. It's every Sunday, what am I going to do? Am I going to do this? Do you need me to do that? Or do I have to do that sometimes is the attitude? But <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all that they do and participate in. So this verse, Philippians 4, 6, says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I made this statement or something to this effect uh, recently, but it's, I felt the Lord put it into my spirit, and he hasn't taken it out yet, and he keeps reminding me of this. Um, so let me just share it with you quickly. You can pray for someone without being worried about them. You can pray for somebody without thinking something's wrong. I think we get into the trap or the mindset Sometimes, of, well, if it looks like things are going good for them, I guess I don't really need to pray for them. They don't need anything. Or if, if things are going well for me right now, it, I, I thank the Lord I just must not need much prayer right now. Well, it sounds silly when you think of it that way, but I, I'm human like you are, and I know sometimes when I'm praying for somebody, this other part of my brain is going, what must be the problem? You understand? If I'm just going throughout my day and the Lord puts Sister Dora on my heart and I start praying for Sister Dora, some part of my brain's going, oh no, what happened? Nothing happened necessarily. 
That's not what that means, you understand. So I'm wanting you and us to know you can pray for somebody without worrying about them. This, that's what this scripture means. Be careful for nothing. Or another word is be anxious for nothing. Don't let anxiousness or anxiety start to get into your mind or into your attitude or spirit. But by prayer, take those requests to the Lord. The next verse says, verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep, everybody say keep, shall keep your hearts and minds. Be anxious for nothing, but let the peace of God keep you. I think this is an example I used before. Praying for wisdom for somebody doesn't mean you think they aren't smart. That, I'm just being honest with you again. If I put my hand on somebody and I'm praying, Lord, give them wisdom, <laughs> I'm also thinking, what do they need wisdom for? Aren't they smart enough? That's not the way. I I'm trying to get me out of the picture and my thinking and my ideas and just pray. Maybe, maybe the Lord's about to give them a windfall and they have never had it before. But that means a lot of money unexpectedly. And they've never had it before. I don't know that, and I'm not praying for that, but maybe they also need the wisdom that should come along with it. I don't have to know any of those things. I'm just praying, Lord, give them wisdom. Praying for direction for someone doesn't mean you think they're lost. Praying for health doesn't mean you think they are sick. I, I thank the Lord for my health, and I pray that it stays that way, right? We don't, we, we're not on the road, hear me, we're not on the roller coaster of do we pray, don't we pray? Have we prayed, have we not prayed, should we pray, should we not pray? It's all, somebody say always. It's always the right time to pray. Always. If there's a roller coaster going on, ups and downs in your life or whatever's taking place, <laughs> I, you just picture it. You, I'm sure you've gone to the, the fair or somewhere before and you've seen roller coasters. And you know, it, it's a slow ride up. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, up, up, up. This is good. I can live with this. And you get to the top and you kind of lose your breath a little bit. What's going to happen? And then you go down. Ah! That, I wonder how many times that's what our prayer life is like if we were really to measure our prayer life. Things are going smooth. Oh, good. We're down here. I don't really need to pray because I feel safe with on this side of the roller coaster. And then we get up and it's like, oh boy, what's happening? What's about to happen? Oh, let it all out. No, it's always the right time to pray. Not just because you are worried and praying doesn't mean you should worry. Praying for salvation for somebody doesn't mean you think they're lost. Not necessarily. If you, if you are in here and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus and you have received the Holy Ghost, that doesn't mean I don't need to pray for your salvation anymore. As long as you're still alive, 
We better keep praying. We better keep seeking, asking. Lord, you saved me yesterday. Would you please save me again today? Keep them saved. That's what it says right there. The peace of God will keep you. Everything that I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, keep them. Lord, keep them. Lord, keep them. Give them and keep them. Not, oh, they're at ground zero. Start something. No, that's not where, that's not where it's at. All of Paul's epistles were written to the church or to individuals in the church. Not to the unsaved, lost world, but how many times did the Apostle Paul admonish in his letters, do that what is right. That doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Very few times did he call out a specific instance and say, this is wrong. But very frequently throughout the letters, it was admonition, do what's right or keep doing what's right. Amen? Would you pray with me, Lord? I want to do right before you, God. I want my spirit and attitude to be right. I want my heart to be right. Lord, I pray, let your spirit minister. Amen. As Bishop comes, let's continue to just wait on the Lord here together. Thank you, Elder Flowers. Good to be here. As... As you entered the building today, this place of gathering, there has been shifting dynamics. Discernible shifting dynamics. <laughs> and I have waited upon the Lord because of the so many things that the Lord's been talking about since early this morning, some for me, some for I was in Sela earlier and some for now. And so I'm just sorting through and waiting on, trying to stay empty, trying to, trying to stay clear because the Word of God, the ministry of His Spirit is important to us. It's important to us. Now, there was a young man in Sela this morning that got up to receive the offering and he made a comment, and when he made the comment, I got a visual that I thought I was going to comment on when I was there, but I did not, and the Lord has revisited it with me. Now, let me give you the scenario. He said, we're here worshiping the Lord, and I want to be a worshiper of the Lord, and then he gave this comparison. He said, I've never been to a concert but he referred to the idea, and I saw the picture of the mass of people in a rock concert, not a Jesus rock concert, but the idea that he had never been to one, but he'd seen pictures, and the people amassing and giving all of that for a man. And when he said that, I saw angels standing behind the man. Dark angels. Intertwined, because they were having a, an experience, and it was really beyond, it wasn't because they were good singers. 
But there's an influence working in their life that when I saw, they didn't realize. They were also giving worship, but they weren't worshiping a man. They were worshiping the influence that had become operative in their lives, which were from the dark spirits that were standing behind them. That's what I saw. Just a flash of a moment. In my youth, 7th grade, 8th grade, I sang under the anointing of those dark spirits. I didn't know what it was. Scared my mother. She came to me and said, you don't have to do that like that. What are you talking about? I didn't know what like that meant. But I knew there was an influence. Well, no, no, I didn't at the time. I now know there was an influence that was operating. Because when I came to the Lord and they asked me to sing, I said, you know, I'm not ready for that yet. Because I wanted to know I had fully separated from what I had walked under. And they said, okay, and they just didn't reach any for a while, for quite a while. And I was thankful for that. I wanted to know I was clean from the influence of those dark spirits. Yes, I had agreed and I got baptized. Yes, I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost a week later, but still, it was a sensitive area to me, and I didn't want to bring any of that element of any kind. I don't know if I could have. I just wasn't sure. Okay. There was a man in the Bible, in the Scripture, that you can read the accounts of. That believed he was in the will of God. He had lots of training. His upbringing was all about the books of the law. And as far as he knew, everything he was doing, he was doing for God. Well, he was persecuting these in the way, the Bible refers to it. He was persecuting these who were now blood-bought, spirit-filled believers. But as far as he was concerned, they were heretics. And because of his embracing of the law, in all that he knew in religion, he was persecuting, the Bible says, them unto death. He was having them beat in the synagogues. He was having them killed. And he was en route to do what he believed was the will of God with permission. Letters to go to Damascus 
The Bible says he made havoc of the church. This is a human being that during a time in the history of man and in the history of the church believed that all that was driving him was of God because of his many associations. After all, there was a lot of them. And on the road to Damascus, something supernatural developed, bright light shined. His attention was arrested. And all that was happened, he cried out and said, Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It was then that he was fixing to have a change of mind. He was fixing to repent, and he didn't even know it. Change of direction. We may read about that a little bit in a little bit. But I want to read to you first right now out of the book of John, the 8th chapter. At verse 27, or verse 30. John 8 and 30. This is the ministry of the man, Christ Jesus. And he had been speaking to some. And we're going to pick up in the middle of this conversation. At verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If you shall, no, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The supposition here is maybe you don't know the truth. Maybe what you know and you think is right and you think is true, it ain't true. And I'm fixing to work on that and change that. And it'll make you free. Now, they answered him. We're Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? You're in bondage, you don't even know it. Jesus answered them. Verily, verily. That's like a, listen up. I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. 
And the servant abideth not in the house forever. But the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed. Naturally. I know who your daddy was. I know who your grandfather was. I can read up the line. I know where your lineage came from. The heritage that you're holding so dear to and think you think justifies the life that you're living now. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. That gets your attention. Because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. What? What? Wait a minute. What? Say that again. Okay, I will. I do what I have seen of my father. You do what you have seen of your father. What are you implying? Stay close. They answered and said unto him, Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father, the devil. I've heard enough. In the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not? So I roll up to the church one day. It's time for a service 
My wife and I get out of the car. There's a car sitting in the parking lot early. A young couple gets out of the car. Are you Brother Schoonover? Yes. My dad said to give you a call. Her dad lived in California. I don't know. I don't know who he was. Or how, who he knew me, how he knew me. I don't know. And so I said, well, come on inside. Young man. Uh, what, how should I refer to him? Uh, healthy. Good looking. Uh, paper boy. Does that help? Paper boy. She, young, pretty, nice couple. Boyfriend, girlfriend. They come inside. And we sit down in the back room, and she says she's having spiritual problems at home. He's shaking his head. Things are troubling her in the nighttime, and she's becoming responsive to it. She reached out to her dad. Her dad said, go find this guy. Go to the church. Okay, so you want me to pray for you? Please. She's sitting in a chair, small, small little girl. In the name of Jesus, and she explodes violently. I couldn't get back quick enough. And she launched straight up from the chair and knocked me over. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to be just a, a little prayer meeting thing. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know if I've ever seen it this way. Her body curled backwards. I didn't know the back could do that. Okay. My wife and I were praying. Now, people were inside now in the sanctuary. They erupted in a prayer meeting when they heard what was going on in the, in the back room. Now, listen, listen. This is why I'm saying this. She knew that there was stuff that is working in her life, and she didn't know what the source was. She didn't, knew, she didn't know really where it came from. She supposed... She had stayed with an aunt for a while, and the aunt practiced witchcraft on, in some form. But, you know, we were desperate for her deliverance because she was obviously possessed. She wasn't just under an influence, okay, affecting her decisions, her communication, her lifestyle. She had become possessed. With an unclean spirit. Wherever the door had cracked open. 
And we prayed and we prayed and I didn't see any deliverance and that is troubling. That it was painful. I think they lay, well, we visited in the office one time and I was, oh, we were just trying to work and talk and bring, bring her to a place and him to a place of surrender of their hearts and lives and maybe get them to the waters of baptism. I'm, I'm trying to anything and everything I can think of. And I, I have to tell you, I, I heard a story one time by a man who was performing baptisms. It was in Nigeria, and there were hundreds of people getting baptized, and one of the person came up, and there was a manifestation of a spirit of this person's fixing to get baptized. And the missionary said, if you don't come out right now in the name of Jesus, I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus, the devil. And so I was kind of drawing from this experience, hoping, okay, so let's deal with this at least in this way. All right. We went to the house. We prayed for the house because there was trouble and things happening there. Sadly, I don't have a good report. I don't have a good report. We prayed. This wasn't my first rodeo. I'd been through this scenario more than several times. And I didn't know what to do. You know, the first thing you do is you look at yourself. These kind go without by much prayer and fasting. And I'm thinking, well, we've been praying. Can't say they've been doing a lot of fasting. But still. There's been times when it almost took like no effort. Okay. And so. The hold that this spirit had on this uh, young lady's life. It was disheartening. But yet there are people that walk in a world of religion and have dominating spirits in their life. They'd only want to do one thing. Steal, kill, destroy. I've, man, I really wanted to read some other scriptures here today and talk about evangelism. I didn't get to do that in Sela either. When the Lord called for his disciples to get into the ship and said, we're going to the other side... They did, and when they got through a storm, they got to the other side. When they got to the other side, they were in the Gadarenes, and there was a man who was living in the tombs of the Gadarenes, and he was filled with unclean spirits. He was consumed, and yet that man... Somewhere in his human desire said, I want to get to you. Now the Bible says he had a legion of unclean spirits, not just one devil. 
He had a legion of unclean spirits, but the scripture reveals to us the will of that man is so significant to his future. He was dragging him all the way to the Lord because he made his way to Jesus. That was an interesting encounter that we read about there. I think the Lord asked him, who are you? And they said, we are legion for we are many. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, don't throw us out of the country. Read it. That means the Lord could have said in a word. And then they appealed and said, let us go into that herd of swine. He didn't debate. He just said, go. We get an idea of the influence. See, the will of man was fighting against the dominating influence of the spirits. Because he was still alive. The spirits were suicidal because when they went into the herd of swine, they ran violently over the cliff and into the sea and drowned. I'm guessing no will in the pigs like the human will of a man. So, we don't have to be subject to, we don't have to be dominated by, we can rise up out of our situation, we can come to ourselves and say, get me to God. I think for many, repentance is a road. It's a path with a long curve on it. Because I can remember the experience in my younger years. I was going the direction I wanted to go. I was doing the things I wanted to do. Were they destructive to my own life? Absolutely. You don't care when you're giving yourself to the influences. If I go, I go. If I stay, I stay. We say this. It's my life. We kick our family to the curb. We, our loved ones, our parents, our siblings, we kick them to the curb and say, this is my life. I'm doing with it what I want to do. And what happened was is I hired a guy. His name was Dean Haverfield. He had some, him and his neighbor were reading the Bible. He didn't go to a church. So I wasn't threatened by my lifestyle. Him and the neighbor, though, would get together and read the Bible. And I really wasn't threatened by his witness. And so he would drop scriptures on me. Brother Larry, I'm not your brother. Brother Larry... And he would drop a scripture on me and I would mock him and I would cuss him out. And then I'd stop and get a half a rack of beer and go home. Dean wasn't there. But the words he had said that day, the quotation of scripture, 
Hmm. I didn't even realize it. I had started the turn. But he was so non-threatening. It's like, this is no problem. I, you know. And then I started thinking more seriously. And I'd gotten involved with Amway. And I was going to Amway meetings. And I went to an Amway meeting in Spokane. I had got drunk that night before at Little John's Tavern. Anybody old enough to remember Little John's? Over off of Lincoln? It, I don't think it's there anymore. I had bought a brand new ski coat, paid 60 bucks for it. That was a lot of money 30 years ago. And I left it at the bar. So I woke up that morning with a pounding headache. I left my jacket at the bar. It was raining in Yakima. And I'm thinking, I do not want to go to Spokane. But I told that sweet couple, the Williams family, I would go. I got out of bed. I got in my truck. I drove to Spokane, sat through a meeting, got out at midnight. And in the meeting, in the meeting, get this. You'd think the Lord was plotting against me in my lifestyle. A guy by the name of Jack Dory from the Tri-Cities who managed a potato shed was an alcoholic. I can relate. And he says, so, you know, my wife, she was talking to the big kid upstairs. Well, you know, that was so kind of funny and it wasn't real sharp or didn't sting me, but it registered. And I didn't know how far I had made around the corner and was getting ready to head back. I wasn't there yet. But when I got into my pickup at midnight and drove to the top of the hill coming out of Spokane, something, someone, came into my truck and said, Larry, I love you. I don't know why it was the straw. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now I'm 180 degrees from where I was going, and now where I'm heading, and I drove straight to my grandmother's church. I didn't care what church it was. To me, she resembled God to me. She was my bridge. I don't know where you are today. But by the sense and the discernment of of what I felt walk in here early, I would tell you, the Lord is reaching for you. It's probably been a couple of years that I've even shared these details, but felt inspired today in this room. I would tell you the Lord is reaching. And you may be, you may be in the position of Saul. You're not threatening the church. You're not raising havoc. You're not killing Christians. But you think you're going in the right direction. You think because of the religious nature of maybe some things you've participating in. But Jesus is saying, no, 
I'm wanting you to hear the truth, and it's the truth that's going to make you free. You're not free. You're still bound, but you don't know it. There needs to be a loosing. There needs to be a surrendering holy. A surrendering holy. Not my will, but thine be done. Why don't you stand with me? Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper, Jethro Tull, Three Dog Night, that was my world. That was my, you didn't thought I didn't remember those names, did you? That was my world. And so when I came to God, I wanted to make sure before I ever open my mouth again to sing a special is what they were asking me to do. I wanted to know there wasn't even a fragrance of the uncleanness that permeated my life through yielding and giving voice to and the lyrics of And I remember the day it came. And the difference in the anointing that came. Somebody here, somebody, several somebodies. I'm telling you that, that God is wanting to lead you to a place that you have not yet walked. You've surrendered areas in your life. You've surrendered maybe many rooms in your life, but there's a place that you've held captive and reserved for you, for yourself. And he's wanting to completely liberate and then bring you to a place where the glory of God will tint upon your life. A smile will live on your face. It'll live there. And people will watch. The Bible says we're written epistles known and read of all men. And they will watch. They'll watch your life and say, you know, I know you've been going to a church for a long time, but there's something that's happening right now that it's registering with me. When I look at you, I don't see the same. When you speak out, I don't hear the same. Something is continued to change. And this is the change that only He can bring. See, we have a God-sized hole right here. He's the only one that can fill it. But He desires to. He wants you. 
And then he speaks of the power of witness that will come upon our lives. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Elder Flowers. Amen. You can be free today. You can be free today. I can't set you free. The person sitting next to you can't set you free. Bishop can't even set you free. If we could, we would, I promise you. But the Lord can. The question is not, can he? The question is, do you want him to? There's about 55 to 60 people in here. I was just counting. There's probably about five of you at least. You're free, but you have a specific person in mind that's not here that you wish could be free. You can't make them free just like we can't make anybody else here free. But we can pray for them and I'm going to encourage you to pray for them when we all pray. I've seen so many altar calls in my life. I I, I think that there's got to be a right way and a wrong way to do it and there's really not. Uh, all that the altar and the aisles right now represent is empty space. That's not where you are right now. I'm asking that if you if you want to pray and, and be made free, I'm going to ask just as an expression of your faith, if you would step out from wherever you are and find another place. It can be the, the aisle, the back corner. It can be the front here. But stepping out's not going to make you free either but it's an expression of your faith it's a sign Lord that I, I'm showing you I'm not showing anybody else here Lord but I'm showing you and me what's going on in here as we begin to pray I'm asking you if you would find your place to pray lift your voice to the Lord let him hear the cry of your heart he already knows it, but there's when you put words to it, when you express it, we are letting the Lord know, God, I'm open to you. Would you find a place and pray right now? God, I'm open to you. Every area of my life, Jesus, every part of me, Lord, is open before you. It's open to you for the working of your spirit. It's open to you, God, for the direction and leading of your spirit, oh God. I want to be clean. Lord, I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be made free, God. As the scriptures say that we read today, the truth, Lord, and you and your word inside of me will make me free. I don't want to be of anybody else.
I don't want to be of or under the influence of anybody else, God, or anything that's not of you. I want it to be you and you alone, God, living inside of me, working inside of me. Come on, lift your voice to the Lord. Lift your voice to the Lord in prayer right now. Every eye closed. Come on, this is between you and the Lord. This work that he's doing right now, it's between you and him. I'm not worried about what somebody else is going to think. Lord, this is between you and I. Come into my heart, O oh God. Make room, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. They bow before your throne, and all the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and see your If you're worried about it, if you're debating back and forth. Maybe you haven't stepped out of your seat yet and you're wondering, am I able to? Can I still? I'm encouraging you. Come on. Get before the Lord. Get before the Lord right now. For forever you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory.
trying to obey the Holy Ghost here. I'm going to call a few of you. I'm going to ask if you would just come and stand in the front here. Brother Vance, you're already down here, right here. Brother Kyle, Brother Joel Garcia, if you would. Brother Clyde. I know that these individuals that I called here, Sister uh, Mary Garcia as well, please, if you would. I know that these individuals that I've called here have people, specific individuals, that their prayer would be to make that person free. Some of you I know who it is. Some of you I don't know who it is. That doesn't matter. If you could just maybe get in a little bit of a straight line there, the five of you. Amen. I can't make anybody free, and you can't make anybody free. I'm going to ask if there's anybody else, if you've got a specific person, it is your prayer that that person is bound, but I, my prayer is that the Lord would make them free. If you would just also come and stand here in the front. We're, we're going to pray a prayer specifically for this because that is what we can do. Leave it in the hands of God. Go ahead, close your eyes and let that prayer out. I'm call their name if you need to. The Lord's here in the prayer right now. against the work of the enemy right now speak against the work of the enemy right now i declare it in jesus name every influence that's not of you god i take authority over it right now in jesus name every voice god that would speak a lie every voice that would speak a lie i take authority over it right now in jesus name 
every friend that would share something that's not true. I take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. I speak against that influence right now in Jesus' name. I command you to be loosed in the name of Jesus. I command you to be loosed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yea, I don't... There doesn't have to be an end to this prayer. It's always the right time to pray this prayer right here. Touch my brother, Lord. Touch my sister, Lord Jesus. Touch the child, oh God. The family member, oh God. Yay. Just join yourself to the prayer right here for a moment. Join yourself to the prayers that are being made right here. Lift your voice to the Lord. Lift your faith to the Lord. You can do all things, God. You can do all things, God. It's you that sets every captive free. It's you that brings deliverance to those that are bound. the voice of the Lord into their ears right now. I speak the word of the Lord into their spirit, into their heart right now in Jesus' name. Let it be shared, God, into their spirit. Yes, Father. Yes, Father.
If you're a parent of a child of any age, would you just begin to pray over that child, that son or that daughter, whether they're an adolescent, a child, a young adult, or a grown adult. Come on, just lift your voice in prayer over that child right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Father, we speak it in the name of Jesus. Lord, you hear every prayer. Lord, you hear every prayer. Yes, God, in your name. Yes, God, in your name. Yes, God, in your name. Come on, it's the praying parent that can do more for a child than anybody else. It's the Word of God operative through a parent that would pray and speak those words over their child that has the power to set free, that has the power to deliver. It's His Word. It's His Word. The power is in His Word. But you've got to release it. You've got to speak it out. You've got to give voice to it. Lord, it looks like they're on the road headed the wrong direction right now. It looks like they're walking down a path that leads to destruction. God, I speak it right now in Jesus' name. Turn that path, God. Let there be repentance that comes into the life in the name of Jesus. Turn that path, God, that direction. I speak it in Jesus' name. Yes, Father, in the name of Jesus. Every battle belongs to you, Jesus. Every victory belongs to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you lift your voice in praise to the Lord? Give Him some praise and some thanks for His mighty works. Come on, the Scripture says it. Praise Him according to His mighty works. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus, for how awesome you are. Thank you, Jesus, for the power that resides in your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. Hallelujah. I praise you, God. The Lord is worthy of all of our praise. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Why don't you find somebody, shake their hand as you are dismissed, and tell them, I'm free, are you?